0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we were right there, right there, next to those massive, massive quarried stones that Herod used to construct the retaining wall, the platform wall, on which the temple was built. We were right there at the wailing wall, we were there at the corner, and when you're this close to those massive stones, you feel dwarfed by even one stone, but when you put stone after stone after stone, you really feel small. Of course, there's not a temple on the temple platform right now, and Solomon's temple was destroyed in 586 BC when the Babylonians took over Judea. And then the temple was rebuilt in about 516 B.C., and then Herod came along. And in 19 B.C., before Jesus was born, he began the great expansion of what is called the second temple or Herod's temple. And so Jesus walks into this temple court. He doesn't go inside the temple but he's inside the temple court and there were massive courts that surrounded the temple and he no doubt was in the court of the Gentiles because that's where this cacophony was taking place of all of the animals, all of the money changers, the sacrifices, the blood, the guts, the gore, the bellowing of slain animals. It was something that none of us would even be able to handle, probably, because we go to Kroger to get our meat. Anyway, Jesus walks into this cacophony, this bazaar, and he takes a whip of cords and drives them out. And in John's Gospel, this happens at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, but it is a sign that the days of the temple are coming to an end, and the entire system, the religious, political, sacrificial system was about to come to an end, and that was the point of Jesus' entry. Of course, they asked him, wait a second, how can you do this? And the only thing that he said to them was, destroy this temple, and in three days, I will raise it back up. Now, The truth is, is probably an hour after Jesus left, all the cattle and the sheep and the stands and the coins and the money changers came right back in. There's no reason to believe that they didn't come back because that's how it all worked. If you were coming for Passover and you were coming from a long way away, you wouldn't bring your animal all the way with you. You would, in fact, buy an animal that you could sacrifice right there. But you couldn't pay in a Roman coin because Roman coins had images on it that were unpure for the Jews. So you had to change the Roman coin and get a shekel that did not have an image that was impure for the Jews. And then you could buy your animal. But Jesus was pointing to the fact that this whole system was about to come tumbling down. And in in fact, he was actually resuming and taking on the entire function of all the good aspects of this temple within his own self, within his own body. Because in 70 AD, the entire temple would be completely wiped out by the Romans Not one stone left upon another, Jesus predicted, and there is not one stone left upon another. This has been fulfilled literally there in Jerusalem. Now, what you see when you go to the temple platform is, in fact, a huge Muslim shrine with the golden dome of the rock and the Alaska Mosque that is right there. And that's what is on top of the temple platform right now. And so Jesus would become the fulfillment of everything that temple system was aiming for. Jesus is the presence of God on earth. The true and the living God, the word and son of God made flesh. God is present in Jesus on earth in his body forever. So there's not just one location that you have to go to to find the presence of God. The presence of God is, in fact, in Jesus Christ. And now, with the coming of the Spirit, his presence is everywhere around the world. The temple was the locus of worship, and now Jesus is the locus of worship. All of our worship is done to the Father through the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus summed up all of the sacrificial system in one complete sacrifice, an offering of himself that completely wiped out sin. Sins are completely given in this once and for all offering. Jesus says, it is finished. Before, you had to cover sins yearly and go back year after year. The sacrificial system is completely finished with Jesus. And the offering of his holy and pure life cleanses all sin for all time. And that's really good news. So all of the aspects of the temple were in fact fulfilled in Jesus, in his person, And he said, if you destroy this temple... They thought he was talking about the huge stones, but he wasn't talking about those stones. He was talking about the true temple, his own body. And his own body would be destroyed, and he would be crucified, and he would die. But God's anointed cannot remain in death because he was raised up out of death. In fact, he even says... I will raise my own temple and body. Jesus is victorious out of death. And now with the coming of the Spirit, his life and all of the benefits of his life and ministry, his death and resurrection are present to all of us. And guess what? We too are a temple of the living God. Did you know that? Uh, let me just give you a little outline of what Paul principally says about who it is that we are. Before I do that, I do want to uh, have one quote from N.T. Wright that I think is just fantastic. It sort of summarized what I just tried to say. Jesus was implicitly claiming to be and to do, which the temple was and did. So when Jesus came to Jerusalem, he came embodying a counter system. He and the city were both making claims to be the place where the living God was at work to heal, restore, and regroup his people. Well, we have this privilege of being a part of the temple of God. In the book of Ephesians, Paul tells us that in fact in Christ... This whole structure is being joined together and built and growing into a holy temple in the Lord. He also says that, uh, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body. He later says, again, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? This is the collective you of the members of the body of Christ. And each of us are members of the body of Christ. Finally, we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and I will walk with them and I will be their God And they shall be my people. That is us. That's who we are. We don't have to travel to a temple in some other location. We are the temple of the living God because the spirit of God, the spirit of Jesus, dwells in us. Therefore, we can pray. We can worship. We come here in order to receive the sacrament uh, of, of Christ in the bread and the wine. Because that's a special observation for Sunday worship. But we can worship anytime, anywhere. Because we are a part of the temple of God. And God's spirit resides in us. And just to finish this New Testament reflection. John, the apostle who is the only one. The only one to outlive the temple in his day because he lived past the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem, John would say this at the very end of the Apocalypse of John or the Revelation of John, the last book in our New Testament, I saw no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. Well, this language is amazing that we, in fact, compose the temple of the Lord. We may have heard this before, but how often do we reflect on our ability to be present to God who is always present to us at any moment and that God, from the moment that we wake up till the time that we go to bed, is with us and always present for us. And that God is not too distracted to be concerned with our everyday life. From the moment that we wake up and we put on our slippers and we make it to the coffee pot. And then we uh, get dressed and we put on a little makeup maybe or we fasten a tie. All the things. The Lord is with us at every moment. We need to be present to the Lord. That's what is required. In this time of Lent, we are seeking to be present to the Lord. We are seeking to make sure that this temple doesn't have a bunch of junk in it, that we can cleanse our own temple during Lent and make it a holy place where we won't be distracted from being present to the Lord who is always in us and with us. And that's really the goal of Lent. Whether you're taking something away or adding something, the point is is that we in heart and mind, body and soul would be present to the Lord who is already present for us. We had an incredible experience on the shores of the Galilee. It is the part of the uh, lake of Galilee, the, the shoreline of Galilee, that... Christian tradition says that Jesus appeared after the temple of his body was destroyed, but after he was gloriously raised, tradition says that Jesus appeared in his risen form right there on that beach in Galilee. And it is the place that he began to build a charcoal fire, and he laid out some fish, And he laid out some bread for breakfast because they have a different breakfast than we do here in the United States. Anyway, he laid this out. The disciples were fishing about 100 yards away and they could see someone. And there was an interaction between Jesus and these disciples. Peter finally caught on after some things that happened that we don't need to go into. Peter finally caught on that that's Jesus on the shore. He gets dressed and then he jumps into the water in order to swim to the shore and it is in fact Jesus. And Jesus is there. He's there to restore Peter to ministry. The last time that Peter probably smelled that charcoal fire was in the courts as Jesus was being tried and he denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times, and then the cock crowed. And so Jesus came to Peter and said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And in that exchange, Peter knew that he was forgiven, restored, and recommissioned. So in this time of Lent we know that regardless of where we've strayed or if we have not been faithful, regardless of what our challenges are, the Lord is present to restore us, to forgive us, and recommission us to his service. Well, right there on that beach of Galilee, we had communion together. It was a poignant moment. It was a moment filled with God it was a moment filled with love. Uh, it was a moment that we had together that none of us will ever forget. But you know, the truth is, the presence of the Lord is here right now, just as much as it was on that shore of Galilee when we were there, and just as much as it was when Jesus was there restoring Peter, because we are the beneficiaries by God's grace of the Lord's presence because we are a part of the body of Christ and members of Christ and part of the great Lord's temple and his spirit is with us now as we come to our holy communion may we receive the living Christ the foundation the temple himself the spirit of the living God for the salvation of our souls and bodies. In Christ's name, amen.